All right, you're now tuned in to the follow through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 244. KD is now on the trading block. What the hell is going on in Brooklyn? Chet has his summer league debut and shows out. Rudy Gobert gets traded to Minnesota for the whole farm. And is it tank for Wembo season? It's the follow through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 244. It, was, it wasn't It was even 20 minutes, Drew, after we finished mm. our last podcast <laughs> where we broke down the Kyrie opting in. Okay, he's back on Brooklyn. Now we can yeah. focus on other teams. KD's going to be just fine. It was 20 minutes. I am just sent the audio over to you. I'm taking uh, taking apart the microphone. I'm thinking about what's for dinner. And then I get a text and I get a, a Bleacher Report update that KD now wants out of Brooklyn. And I hit <laughs> you up and I'm like, dude, this this has got to be, this is so ridiculous. And I just started laughing. And yeah. I'm like, I cannot believe this is happening right now. First off, were you as shocked as I was? <laughs> were you? Yeah, I this definitely didn't expect for after Kyrie to be like back on Brooklyn for Kevin to go, okay, I'm out. I don't want it. I don't want it anymore. I'm gone. So yeah, it definitely took me off guard. It was so shocking to me. And then I had to go into that whole thought process. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I, I started getting really upset and I don't know why, cause I don't care. I don't care about the nets. I don't care where, what KD does or where he go. I mean, it's interesting and it changes the landscape of basketball. Um, but I was more like, do, do contracts even matter anymore? Yeah. Does this, and you know, we've been discussing this a lot and I always have to say that I am pro player. You are pro player, but I'm also very pro contract. And it's like, when you sign a contract, that's like, you have to abide by the contract. Now you can get out of the contract, but there's going to be, you know, repercussions to this in, in, in anything in life. Like Draymond came out the other night and said, you know, I th- think what the media and what fans need to understand is that, Players, NBA players, athletes are a business, right? They're, they're mm. they are a business, and I totally get that. I agree with that one thousand percent. That athletes, professional athletes, are brands and they are business, right? And so they try to conduct themselves as a business, and that's perfectly fine. And I get that, but there is certain business etiquette, right? And in anything that happens in our, we live in a great country, Drew. We have, we have free will. A lot of people don't have free will. If we don't, if we're unhappy with our job, we can leave. If we're unhappy with our marriage, we can leave. If we're unhappy with our with our the our current home and the lease or the house that we own, we can sell it or break our lease. But with all of those things that I just mentioned, there are major repercussions with that. So mm-hmm. my thing is like, especially with this Kevin Durant thing, just signs his contract, his extension last season, $196 million. He commits for five, whatever it is, essentially five more years. Um, and it's been a shit show since day one with this whole situation, right? And I was so upset because I i don't think I've ever seen a player get catered to more than Kevin Durant during this, this three years, these three years, okay? Like, he's unhappy in, in Golden State after he wins two chips, right? Because, hey, 
I just don't fit. I feel like one of the guys. I want my own team. I want my own thing. I'm going to go to Brooklyn, but I'm only going to go to Brooklyn Nets if I can bring my boy, if you give Kyrie this deal. And then I, I also want you to overpay DeAndre Jordan, okay? If you say if you say yes to that, we are there, right? Then when we get there, all right, you know what, Nets? We're really not feeling this coach. I'd really like you to bring in a new coach, preferably one with no experience and one that we could possibly, you know, <laughs> manipulate and mold our own way because, you know, like Kyrie <laughs> said, we could be coaches too, right? Right. And then COVID and all this stuff happens. Kyrie doesn't want to take the vaccine. His boy's not playing. And so then he's like, you know what? My guy, James Harden, he's available. We need to get him here. Can you guys figure out a way to bring my other friend here? Bring James mm-hmm. Harden. It's going to work out perfectly, right? And so they you know, maneuver, shake up the franchise once again. All right, KD, we'll bring you this guy. And I, I went back and looked at tweets from James Harden. The first game they played, it was against the Clippers. The first time they were all on the floor together and Harden posts a picture afterwards, scary hours, right? They won that (laughs) game, scary hours after the game. He says, you know what? I'm not even worried about the money. I plan on being here for a while. Uh, You know, the money will make itself looking forward to what what we're going to do. And then, you know, that's not really working out. KD's got to hit up the the management again and be like, look, um, so Kai and uh, Harden really aren't getting along. Who would have thought that that would happen? (laughs) <laughs> right. Like there was no red flags in the beginning. So, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to need you to trade Harden out of here. And, and if the only option you get is Ben Simmons, then you know what? I'm sorry. Right. Then I'm going to say after, you know, only lose only winning one series and then getting swept by Boston. Then there's this whole narrative that, you know what? You got to pay Kyrie. If you want me back and whatnot, you want to solidify the next few years. Pay my boy. His boy gets paid. And then he wants the fuck out. And in my eyes, and I'm sorry for for rambling, Drew, but in my eyes, it's like the saying, you made the bed, so sleep in it. And this is not all Kevin Durant's fault. This is is so much fault of of management and uh, Cy and Mark's catering to a superstar. And then them being able to just, you know what, bro, I'm, I'm not happy. I'm sorry you had to restructure everything to cater to me, but now I want out. And guess what? Here's another, here's my, here's my final, my final fuck you to you, Nets. I only want to go to two teams. Like, I really only want to go to Miami, and I really only want to go to Phoenix. And, and you know what? I only want to go to Miami if Bam, Kyle, and Jimmy are all there. So if you end up <laughs> trading me for Hero and Duncan, that's on you. So do I have a right to be a little upset at this? Even when I say that you should be able to go if you're unhappy, but in no way, shape or form should Brooklyn let Kevin Durant dictate where he goes. If he's going to leave, you better get the biggest bag, which they apparently are trying to do Mm -hmm. and not like, I don't understand why Mark's and, and Kevin Durant's agent are working together to find a right trade. Fuck that man. It should just be Marks and Cy figuring out the best haul that I can get for Kevin Durant. Rant over. <laughs> well, I think, you know, to your question about whether or not you should be upset, I think the answer is clearly, yeah, you have all the grounds to be upset and be a little, I don't know, confused by this because certainly Kevin Durant is, in all his decisions in the last several years has been confusing, right? 
and I, you know, this one really feels out of left field. And to me, it does feel motivated by Kyrie and potentially the way that Ky- that Kevin Durant's trying to stranglehold the organization again is by requesting this trade. Because while you are right in saying that the Nets are going to pay Kyrie, he opted in to the last year of this deal. They did not extend him at the numbers that we thought they were going to. So maybe Kevin Durant requesting this trade was reactionary. And maybe we should have seen, you know, some telltale signs or some breadcrumbs leading to this type of stuff based on the timeline that you just laid out. Uh, He wants to be in control of the organization. And I think maybe now we're finally seeing whether or not, like what, what, what line in the sand do uh, Cy and Marks draw? And, and whether or not they're going to hold firm to that line or allow Kevin Durant to walk over it again. But to me, I think what the only way that I can make sense of this trade request is Kevin Durant goes, they didn't, they didn't do what I asked. They didn't extend Kyrie. So guess what? I'm going to ask for a trade request and and Kyrie opting into his deal, by the way, 37 million doesn't mean he can't be traded. He can still be traded. Uh, So there's still that option for Kyrie and for the nets to trade him. Um, and really take Kevin Durant off. But to me, it also felt like an effort for, and there was some buzz about this too, that Kevin Durant wants Kyrie to be involved in any trade, <laughs> uh, which is just it mind fucking in itself right there. And I don't know any organization that would sign up for that based on what just happened over the last couple seasons. So yeah, I think you're founded in your, in your uh, confusion and, and your frustration with this. Uh, and I don't think the Nets are going to rush this, right? Like they, that's one thing that they do have the leverage here is Kevin Durant is signed up for four years and yeah, maybe, you know, they, they end up in a weird situation where Kevin Durant just goes fine. I'm not going to play. Right. Maybe, maybe we end up there where they go, whatever options have been presented by other teams in a trade did not fit the bill. It's not enough. If the, if the nets view that the ownership views that as the case, then they may force Kevin Durant into a scenario where he goes, where you go, look, there's no, there's nothing here that we want. So you're going to be in a Nets uniform until we can figure this out. Um, and we expect you to play if you want to get paid. And then we'll be in that a whole nother weird saga, which I hope we avoid. I do. I sincerely hope we avoid it because really the Kevin Durant, if all he can be frustrated with while um, the results on the court is one thing to be frustrated with in regards to how they've treated him, he, he should have zero frustrations. They've given him everything. And the frustration should only be with himself and the decisions and the people that he's linked himself to during this time. And we talked about this a little bit over the years as teams have bent over backwards for players like LeBron James, Kevin Durant. I mean, the Lakers did for Kobe. There's a long list of, of history in regards to what organizations will do to keep their superstar, quote unquote, superstar happy. Uh, this is certainly on the top of that list and, and the most recent, uh, but I don't know if there's another way for organizations to go about this if they want to take a chance and have Kevin Durant or somebody like Kevin Durant on their team. I do think with the player empowerment stuff, there is a certain level of catering that organizations have to do to these teams, a la Bradley Beal, right? I I think the Wizards and Beal's relationship is exactly what I'm talking about here. The Wizards are just like, okay, we're going to give you all this money and extend you all the, you know, for five more years. And, you know, if you, and they gave him a no trade clause. Uh, which First is of like 10 players, one of so 10 I players just, in NBA history. And if that's how Bradley Beal's getting treated, I just kind of think that that's what the league is now, unfortunately. And I think that's what 
organizations have to do to keep players happy. No, I understand. So I understand that. And I understand you should cater to your superstars. I do. But I also, I, you know, in every, you know, if we had an NBA player on here, they'd say, well, you know, uh, organizations can trade you in a heartbeat. You never, you never know. So there's no loyalty. And I get that. And they can, that's because, and I hate saying it this way, but they like, they paid for your services. The contract is for us. We, we, we own the rights to you. Right. So what if it was switched around, Drew? What if, and by the way, it will be switched around in the new CBA. Cause I think us talking about it, we are not the only ones that are discussing it. There needs no, to be no. something. Um, what if it was switched around and what if it was like, you know what? Sean Marks is like, you know what? We just don't feel like paying you anymore. Like it's our, I just don't want to pay you anymore. We're really unhappy with like what's going on. <laughs> um, you know, I just, we're not really feeling it right now. So, Hey, thanks for, thanks for what you you've done for us, but we just don't, we don't want to, we're not happy with the situation. So you guys figure it out. What if you got to take that money away? The players would be like, but, but, but you signed a contract, but I have a contract with you. You right. owe me this money. Right. Yeah. And no matter what, like, since you're under that contract contract, you're going to get that money regardless, or there will be a buyout where you get, you know, 90 cents on the dollar for whatever. But I think just, I'm, I, I'm kind of siding with owners on this because then yeah. what do you, what are you left with, man? If you do all of this and then you have a guy that's unhappy and wants to leave and now, and we'll talk about Gobert in a minute, this Gobert trade, like set the bar. Like, and, and we're talking about a top 10 player of all time, top 15, top 20, no matter what. Uh, it, when, you, when you're saying Kevin Durant. That's yes, just not, go, not, not, Gobert. not Gobert. Yeah. If anybody listens to our show, they, <laughs> yeah, they know. know that already. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they know that already. Um, what is the haul for Kevin Durant? And for the what's the asking price? What's the ticket? And now there's talk that, oh, well, Golden State's going to be in the mix on this. If I'm Golden State, like why? We just won. Right. We just won a title, and then what is that? And I know Kevin Durant doesn't care at all what we think, what media thinks, what fans think, what anybody thinks. What would it look like if Kevin Durant pushed his way to Golden State Warriors after they won another title? Right? Yet again. Yet again. Yet again. Let's run it back, it's, guys. Let's run it back. It's like deja vu. It's like, <laughs> oh shit, they won again. All right, all right. I'll, I'll go back. I'll go back. That's the only. So if if it even is real talk, and uh. The, the, the Warriors were willing to give you Wiggins, Poole, Wiseman, uh, two picks. <laughs> and, and well, oh no, and it was Kaminga. Kaminga, Wiseman, oh, yeah, yeah. Wiggins, Poole, and two picks. If I'm Nets, I'm taking that in a heartbeat. Give me that, right? But I don't think the Golden State Warriors are stupid enough, especially after what they just did, to do that. And like age has to come in, into effect here. At 33, he's going to be 34 during the season. Uh, if you if you have him locked up for another four years, we're talking about 38. That's just old now. It's old. For any 6'10 uh, scorer, that's going to be hard in four years. So I think teams are going to realize that maybe the ticket's just a little too high, like you were saying. And that's when Brooklyn's like, you know what? The deals just aren't sweet enough for us. Kind of like what Maury did with Simmons, right? Yeah, put him on the back burner. Mm -hmm. There's no rush. There should be no rush from the Nets perspective. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I do think they they might be smart to deal Kevin Durant here based on what has happened <laughs> in in the years that he's been there. And this is probably maybe the last year that they can get a legitimate haul for him. Right. Like if they start looking at him 
you know, trading him when he's 36, those, those, you know, those numbers that they'll get in return are going to be much less than they or gets now. injured. And, and, and I still think he's going to be amazing at 30. I don't expect him to be bad because his mid range game is great. Cause he's so tall. And yes, maybe he won't be, you know, jumping as high, but that, you know, he's already so long and tall. It doesn't really matter. He'll still, he'll be able to dunk a ball until he's 75. Right. It's so like that won't be an issue. Um, so I just think that the Nets have an opportunity here to really be smart with this. And I will say for as bad as Sean Marks has been drugged through the mud for all of this shit, uh, he is a good GM, right? Like he did a good job of building the Nets culture before Kevin Durant and Kyrie got there. And he has, I think in all, all fairness, tried his best to make this work at, you know, to the point where he felt like it was okay to let go of Jared Allen in the deal, right? Like for James Harden, like, and all that stuff comes into play too. When we go, when we go through the timeline, but I do think potentially this, this could be a good spot for the nets to deal him, right? Like if it's not going to work out and if they really, if they truthfully know internally, they don't want Kyrie again next year, right? Like I think that may be what decides whether they let Kevin Durant go or not in this off season is like, how do they truly feel about Kyrie Irving? Right. Like if there was some back and forth and some indecision, oh, man, maybe we should extend him. Let's give him another shot. Um, or if they were like, we're definitely not extending him like he's going to have to show us and prove it to us this year. Or if they're still actively looking to trade him, if they feel that way about him, then fuck it. Then then let Kevin Durant go and find another suitor for Kyrie or figure out some sort of package to send him to the same place. Uh, but I do think, you know, especially with. Victor Wembenyama in the draft next year. And I've coined him. I have a new nickname for him. What's his name? We are calling him Wembo. Wembo the name, okay? Cool. That's what we're going with. I, I like Wembo. is better. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. But, you know, with that on the horizon, everyone's throwing their hat in the ring for that kid. And there's other prospects, obviously, coming up uh, in the next couple of years that look fantastic. Why not try now to rebuild? Because being in, uh, in the play-in games and then being swept in the first round is not – what you want to do as an organization anyway, you much rather, I think most organizations would much rather miss the playoffs entirely and get a lottery pick than have that be the outcome to their season, especially when you have the payroll of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on your squad. So I do think that this is an opportunity for the Nets to get creative uh, and really see what's out there, see what they can get and, and disregard the Suns and Miami thing, because I don't think either of those teams are going to offer the Nets something that makes sense for them. I mean, Phoenix, if we want to get into it, Phoenix's package could be good, uh, but I have to assume the, the Nets would want Booker, right? You have to that's assume. Not, okay. let's, so that's the let's only try thing for that Booker. Works. And even if it and even if Booker's not included, you can go. All right, give me Aiton, like Bridges, Cam Johnson, and some picks, and then it's like, all right, well, do the Suns want to do that? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I don't know if that's if that would be on their on their level. And then you already kind of rattled through the heat options. I think they're even more limited in what they can offer, especially considering that if they do want, if the Nets want Bam Adebayo, they have to include Ben Simmons in a trade. Got to trade him. Ben Simmons has to go to the heat based on these new rules about uh, lottery draft picks. You can't have two, Uh, you can't have two dudes on rookie extensions on this. That's what it has to do with. Yeah, exactly. And so, and so Miami can't include, or yeah, Miami can't include, bam in the trade unless they want Simmons and that doesn't seem feasible I think Miami's out too because I don't think the Nets will take whatever they have and Miami draft picks are they're never in the top you know threshold that Miami is always good enough to be in the 20s or the teens Uh, so I don't think either of those will work out and and I don't know about you 
you know, it, we, we got reports that Minnesota offered some stir. <laughs> I was going to say Mark offered, offered KD to the, to Minnesota and that got rejected. I don't think there's going to be a trade done this off season. I think that the Nets should press and look and see what they can get. And if they can pull the trigger on something good, awesome. But I don't, I don't expect it to happen. I, I was going to say, at least Marks is shooting his shot, right? He's like, you know what, Minnesota, <laughs> I want cat, uh, Aunt Edwards, and I want two first rounders. And of course, it's freaking crazy, but test the waters and see what's out there. Uh, I agree with you on both. If I'm trading, if I'm trading Kevin Durant to Phoenix, I want Booker. And I think Aiton would have to, it would have to be a sign and trade deal too. Yep. If, if I'm not mistaken, but I would want Booker. And in my opinion, Aiton and Bridges and Cam Johnson and two picks, I, I just don't think it's, I don't think it's worth it. I don't think mm-hmm. that's the one, even though we both like Cam Johnson, we both like DeAndre yep. Ayton. I mean, Bridges really proved himself this year. Maybe that at the end of the day will be the best deal. I think this is the best case scenario is the one team that's in town that really would literally yeah. do anything for a superstar <laughs> is the Knicks, right? <laughs> and if you could figure out a way, they would, they would cream their pants to get Kevin Durant in a Nick uniform for four years, for one year, for whatever the hell it is. If I you could, totally agree. I don't think Kevin would go for it. Well, it, it doesn't Kevin matter. Doesn't that's like, my whole he thing. Like the Knicks, <laughs> I, I, it doesn't matter to me. The deal it, that's on you. Right. Then, if you're traded to the Knicks, that's on you to get out you of. You figure Knicks. it out from there. Yeah. Yes, but I would want Barrett. I would want quickly, and I would want um, Randall. I would want all three of them and another. You know, they'll they'll most likely be a lottery pick, and I want a one. Yeah, I think the point that I'm making is like, why would the Knicks want Kevin Durant if Kevin Durant want doesn't want to be a Nick? Right. So like that is also the part of this that's definitely within the mix, which is why we we have to have like GMs have to have that kind of a conversation. Right. Because you can definitely ship him anywhere. But like why if you're the team receiving him and you all you you definitely know he doesn't want to play there. Why would you make the trade? Right. right. Like, and I think that's moving. That's why when, in the beginning of the conversation, like that's why Marks and KD management are trying to find the right place for him to go. Right. So um I, I, I am I'm in agreement with you. They are in no rush to do this. And I think they're going to be really calculated in it. I think they might have to lower the bar, even though the Gobert trade, um, which we'll get into in a minute, kind of was just absolutely ridiculous. But while we're on Brooklyn, we have to do this again really fast. Um, Kyrie's still up. Supposedly the talks between the Lakers have kind of cooled down. Uh, the people really aren't calling <laughs> for yep. Kyrie's uh for Kyrie's business right now. So I don't know what's next for him. And if you remember what Marks and Cy had said going into the off season, we do not want another season like last season. So I think they're going to try everything to get rid of Kyrie. There's a difference between KD and, and Kyrie. They want to get rid of a problem. And the problem is Kyrie Irving. Now the whole Lakers thing, which we've discussed at length, is you're trading one problem for another problem. And I think I either said it on this show or another show, but like say what you want about Russell Westbrook, but the the dude's going to show up and play his ass off. It may not be Mm -hmm. fitting for what the Lakers run and he might not fit in well with this, with the LeBron team and whatnot, but I know for a fact that that Russell is going to show up and play. We just don't know how good he can still do that at, at what level he can still show up and play at, right? Like I totally agree. He's going to try real hard. Uh, I mean, is it showing up half the job though in anything? Oh, it's, like- I, it's certainly in Kyrie's case, it's more than half the job. It's so 85%. I, 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I, I, I fully agree. And I think if I'm Sean Marks, the, the way that I would look at this is like mo- thinking a couple moves ahead and trying to get rid of, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm him, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get rid of Kyrie. And then we know Kevin's not going to be happy without Kyrie. So I'm also going to get rid of KD. And the timeline doesn't have to be now, but that's that's in my head as the plan that I have to look at. And so then when I think one step further, the only team that looks like they want Kyrie is the Lakers and they want it for exchange for Russell Westbrook. So then I'm thinking, who can play with Russell Westbrook? Right. That's if I'm Sean Marks, I'm going, okay. I can probably make that happen. I can probably get Kyrie out of here, bring in a guy who does want to play, who will play 75, 80 games and play real hard. And I want to pair him with someone who can play with him, which has been obviously the biggest struggle for Russell Westbrook's career since Kevin Durant left. And then right? they just so, be going full circle back. Right. With Kevin and Durant. I, so I, and I don't think Kevin Durant wants that either. Right. So right. I don't think he wants to reunite to reunite with Russ, which is why this whole thing continues to evolve. So then I'm thinking, can I get Brad Beal for Kevin Durant? Right. Brad Beal just read up on all that money. Kevin Durant's from the DMV. He's from the DC area. Uh, what like if I'm Sean Marks, those are the two things that I'm going after. Give me Russ, give me Brad Beal. They have had success at least for half of a season when Russ was in the Wizards and they seemed like they enjoyed playing together. You get those two guys, you'll at least get fans in the building for the most part. Ticket sales should be good. Brad Beal can be on a new team in a new city. Um, and you know, you can you can just run that back, and then you would want also picks and stuff like like the Lakers would have to give up probably some sort of pick in the Kyrie change. I don't think uh, the Lakers even want Kyrie anymore though. I, I well, really so, don't. But, but anyway, this, let me just finish this okay. because I think that's the frame of mind. It doesn't have to be that those exact deals that I just presented, but if I'm Sean Marks, I'm thinking, all right, who can I get in return and how can I maybe formulate a team in doing so and making deals like a domino effect. Like as soon as I let Kyrie go, then I know I can go get Kevin Durant and I'm looking for somebody who can play with the caliber of player I bring back. And the only reason I, I think the rest thing is the inevitable one is because it is, I mean, you just mentioned it. I don't, I don't know how much the Lakers want Kyrie anymore. I can tell you this, if the Lakers start, uh, you know, four and 11 again at the end, at the beginning of the season, the Lakers will want Kyrie. Like it's, you know, maybe it, it cools off for now, but that's all until the season starts and we start seeing these losses rack up, which is what happened last year. So if, if we end up in the Lakers end up in a position where, uh, we're not looking good and it's looking a lot like last year, I guarantee the talks will open up even if they, if they, if they cease for the summer. Yeah, that makes sense. Just wait it out a little bit. I think reading into, if you want to read into like Jeannie's tweet the other night, which was just kind of random and a little weird to me, it was kind of like, um, you know, she missed Kobe, which I totally understand, but there was a lot of crypto talk in that, which I, I, I kind of am taking that, LeBron's trying to make some moves that she potentially doesn't want to do. And here's the other thing. Here's another question for you. So in a lot of these scenarios to get Kyrie, there might, there most likely would have to be another team involved or a fourth team involved to really make these moving parks work. Do you think your front office is capable of doing that? You know, because we don't, we, no, I'm being, and this isn't a not, I mean, it is a not, but like, who's making the, is it, is it, is it Linda? Is it Linda Rambis? Is it Jeannie? Yeah. Is it Palinka? Who the hell is it that's pulling the strings? Are they capable of doing that and doing it correctly? That's what I'm, that's what well, I'm trying I mean, to get to. We got Anthony Davis in a trade and I think that worked out pretty well. Cause he so, wanted to come if, there. If the Lakers, 
if the Lakers are good at one thing, it's executing trades. <laughs> we might not be good front office wise. Uh, and sometimes the trades don't work out, mm-hmm. but we are, we are definitely a trading franchise. We do that all the goddamn time. We sign free agents and we trade. Uh, we don't draft very well. <laughs> uh, and when we do, we get rid of the guys yep. in the draft that are good. So um, I do, I have confidence in the front office to, to get the, you know, get the paperwork right at the very least. Uh, but I think the bigger picture is, is like, if, if the thing doesn't work out for Kyrie, then, then the Lakers are also <laughs> kind of shit out of luck, right? It, it doesn't feel like anyone's calling for Russ, right? So I, I do think that's why so much of the conversations will continue to happen or at least be in the realm of, of conversations because it just seems like the only two that can matter. Now that John Wall's contract is dissolved and he's, you know, now on the Clippers, it's really, that that's the only, they're the only two that seem to be inevitably linked here. Um, but I, I think you're, you're um, the, the point that you're making about who's like pulling the strings, who's making the calls. That's that's still in the fogginess of the Lakers. That's my whole point. Like, we don't know. We don't know. No one knows. We right. we think it's we think it's uh, uh, Genie, right? And maybe it's Palinka, but I, it does feel like a brain trust there. But I don't know who's you know who's head honcho necessarily of the group. I think there's a there's also this wild possibility. Tell me if you'd be shocked by this. That you know KD's gone dark. Hasn't responded to people. He's not re- he's not talking to anybody. People, players are uh, uh, allegedly calling him, but he's not calling them back. What if him and Kyrie are like in Budapest on the top of a mountain, right? Getting yeah. getting their zen on, and they're both just like looking at their cell phones, like, "Hey, you really want to fuck up the off season? I'm going to request a trade." And Kyrie's like, "Yeah, do it, man, do it. Fuck the media. <laughs> let's let's let them run with it, right?" Yeah, yeah. I I mean that's plausible. <laughs> It doesn't have to be, I don't know. I, yeah. It doesn't have to be hungry, but it could be anywhere. I, I do feel like that they're certainly there. I bet they're in communication, right? Like I bet the two of them are talking Well, Kevin Durant is probably dark to the rest of the world. He's mm-hmm. probably opened up uh, uh, conversations with, with Kyrie, I would imagine. Um, you know, an interesting thing since we're talking about it is if there is also a team that can, that can, <laughs> that would be stupid enough <laughs> and can't afford the Kevin Durant Kyrie uh, trade together. It would be the Lakers, by <laughs> the way. Okay. So okay. like there is a lot of buzz in certain Lakers circles that uh, Russ, Russ and AD for Kyrie and KD gets the job done. And mm. people, people are excited about that possibility. So would you be, I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence, my dude. I just, I, I think the biggest thing is like getting rid of Russ. It will change a lot of things for the Lakers. Right. Um, and so because of that, I'm intrigued. And yes, Anthony Davis has been injured. I'm, I'm on team Anthony Davis. I would like to keep AD. I would like to get rid of Russ and let's fucking rock this. Right. Like, let's see what we got, but I wouldn't, I don't think I would be like overly pissed if that went down. Right. And, and I think weirdly enough clips, I think I'd actually be happier with a a Russ LeBron trade oh. for for Kyrie. And oh, Katie. spicy! I think I'd, I think I'd be happier with that. Uh, unfortunately, that w- LeBron would negate that really quick. Um, but look, th- that's funny you bring that up. Okay, so if that happens, say AD and Russ for KD and Kyrie, right? Mm-hmm. Now you are literally you you have a thirty eight year old and a yep. and a thirty four year old soon to be 
under contract for another four years. LeBron's only got one more after this, right? Yeah. Um, then where's the future? AD was your quote future. Then where right. where is that? Because at, at the future, at, the future for the Lakers is always in free agency, right? Like okay. That's I mean we, we that's the that's the beauty of being the Lakers is that we don't have to worry about who who the 23 year old on our team is that can take the keys to the you know and, and when when everyone's old and retired mm-hmm. uh it you know we just will we'll get another guy in free agency that's just what that's just how it goes and that's been unfortunately because because of that i think we have been bad at drafting like like all i'm talking about like the development of players we don't do it we bring no, you don't you the, don't have the patience to develop the we, players it, that's what it it's is. And it's true. And it works, though. I mean, this is the thing, like the, the system works like every so often we have these gaps where we just can't we can't attract a free agent, which did happen for a while there when that whole LaMarcus Aldridge era where he just was like, oh, Lakers are cool. Nah, I'm going to San Antonio. Like and, and then we had this weird. Uh, it was probably about five or six years where we didn't get anybody. Right. And, but other than that, like and then I think that happened in the 90s for after Magic was like officially gone for a little stint in the 90s. We didn't get anybody. Uh, and then Shaq showed up. You know what I'm saying? Like this is this is kind of the rotation that we go through uh, as as the Lakers organization. So the future is already in the league, is is what I would tell you. <laughs> we'll just pick off Zion, or we'll pick off Jaw, or we'll pick up. We, this is what we do. We pick off unbelievable talent that wants unbelievable money that wants to live in Los Angeles. All right. So speaking of you know uh, contracts and whatnot, let's let's talk about Gobert here for a minute because I was just as shocked at that. Um, I thought. It was okay. If it was if it was towns for Gobert, I'd understand it way more, right? Sure. I'd, I would completely understand that. But to to keep towns, to give up, uh, you know, Beverly, the the whole plethora of players that they gave up to bring in Gobert, take on that massive contract that's going to be forty seven million dollars in three years. I'm just not necessarily. I, I I'm I'm happy for the the Timberwolves that they made a move and they actually got a, uh, you know, they traded for you know, one of the best defensive players, the NBA's probably ever seen. He's not our favorite guy, but whatever. Um, I just don't see the fit. I don't see the spacing. I don't see it working. Does this mean Towns is going to be back on, he's going to be the power forward. Like where's the room for Ant to, to, to move, to maneuver. And then like, I, I got to go back to my guy, Patrick Beverly. Like this guy came in and did a lot for the culture, a lot for the organization, as far as bringing these guys together, uh, kind of trying to maximize each individual's potential, whether it was in practice or in the in the in the movie room and all that shit, trying to get these guys on board and then to dump him just to throw him off. He's probably going to be bought out in, in Utah, too. So he'll he'll have another place to go shortly. But I was a little shocked with it. And I think the money is so wild. That commitment to Rudy Gobert is so wild. Um, what, what, what was your take on that? Yeah, that was not a team that I had on the radar for a swooping Gobert. It's, it just wasn't, right? Like, we were thinking about all these other teams that could use Gobert, right? And then, you know, Dallas gets Christian Wood, so that scratches them off the list. Atlanta looking like they're going to keep Clint Capella. Maybe they're going to keep John Collins, so maybe they're off the list. And it's like, okay, who wants Gobert, right? I thought there'd be a, a, a longer list of suitors here. And then, you know, Chicago's name popped in. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, people just throw the Knicks in to stuff like this no all the what. time. And so, but yeah. And, and then it's, we get the, we get the the news and it was very shocking to see that it was Minnesota that picked up Gobert. Uh, so I'm actually kind of like, I feel like there's good news, bad news with this trade. It's not 100% terrible and it's not hundred percent good because they gave up way too much. They gave up 
so much for Gobert. I did I, that part. I can't not reconcile with. They gave up just to be clear with everybody: Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Vanderbilt, Kessler, the guy that they just drafted, uh, who's a big boy, big body, uh, and four first-round picks for this guy. Now that seems like Danny Ainge just really pulled the wool over this new GM's eyes. You know what I mean? Like it's just like he really, he really got him there. Like that's a lot for a guy who is very limited offensively. And yes, he's a defensive stalwart. Um, but this is where I think, so that was the bad news. This is where I think the good news is, is I actually think this could work out really well for Minnesota weirdly. Uh, but if you look at the success that the Cavs had last year, pretty minimal success, uh, but more success than we expected. And they had this supersized lineup, right? A defensive juggernaut in Mobley for the Cavs. Uh, and then uh, Jared Allen as well. Um, and whatever seven footer that they would try to marking in at the seven and, or, you know, at the, at the three spot uh, as well as others rotating through. But I think, if you just look at that limited success with Darius Garland kind of pulling the strings and you can kind of see, I can at least a path forward for this Minnesota team, if they can replicate that a little bit now that what that does do, obviously the, the, the positive thing about the spacing that you just mentioned is that Carl Anthony Towns is the best big man shooter in the NBA. And he's one of the best big man shooters from three point land in the history of the NBA. He's not the best, uh, but he's up there. Uh, and so I uh, clearly, having Gobert underneath to rebound offensively and defensively giving cat the space to shoot those threes and Gobert is an incredible pick and roll offensively. I mean, I mean, that's, that's what he, that was his bread and butter, right? So having that option with, uh, with uh, our guy, Ant Edwards, having him come screaming off a pick and roll with Rudy Gobert is makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, so I think there is some stuff here that can actually be okay for Minnesota and answer the problem that they've had, which has been on the defensive end. Now, it goes back to the bad news because they gave away a lot of their, their defense in this for getting Gobert. They gave away a lot of their wing, pretty much all of their wing defense, including Beverly and Beasley, who are their two, two probably best defenders. Um, and so that's a problem now. They have to fill those shoes with guys that actually can play defense at a NBA level and guys that like kind of fall in love with playing defense and, and need to be the defensive stoppers because Gobert will help, so, you know, shore up the rim, but you still need to play some defense out on the perimeter. And then back to the good news clips and then I'll be done. <laughs> what have we asked for Utah to figure out a small ball lineup to get Gobert off the floor when they need it? Minnesota has that. Now you can go small, uh, with Cat at the center, which isn't necessarily small. You can go really small and take Cat off the floor if you want and both go bare. But I just think Minnesota actually has, with Carl Anthony Towns, a true small ball, quote-unquote small ball five, uh, that they can use and put Gobert to the bench and not lose a whole lot uh, like the way that, that Utah did. All right, that's what I think. No, I think that those are all very valid points. I think they, on paper right now, they look like a really good regular season team. I think they're going to win more games. I think with – look, man, we are a, a month and a half removed from watching these guys in the playoffs and both be like that. they did some of the dumbest shit we had ever yeah. seen in playoff games. What they lost is veterans that can actually play basketball, know what to do – played in the playoffs before. Um, now, you're with, now you're with guys who aren't great in the postseason. 
Your D'Angelo Russell was horrible. Cat made some of the dumbest decisions we'd ever seen. Um, Rudy in the playoffs is is notoriously horrific. So they're it's going to have to come down to coaching and figuring out an offense that's going to work. And hopefully they're not done because like what, what you just mentioned, they got rid of all their wings and they did. And wings yeah. are very important in today's NBA, like extremely important. So I'm just not necessarily sure. Like, were there more offers on the table? Like, could they could they have gotten this rid of thing. less? Right. That's the, and that's the part of the bad news is like, why? Why did you have to give up so many things? Mm-hmm. OK, so if like if four first round picks, that's too many. And to me, that's like I I'll take Gobert for four first rounders and Kessler, the guy that we just drafted. How about that? We'll do did that. Nobody did nobody learn from the Paul George trade, right? <laughs> and again, I love Paul George. I love him, but fuck, did we get finessed, right? Yeah. And I guess when your back's against the wall, and you know they do, they do have a new front office. They have they stole the dude from Denver. Uh, they have new ownership, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, like correct. they're trying to make they're trying to make a play, and I'm all for it. I just am just like. Gobert was their main focus out of all these people. And now looking back on it, you're like, fuck, man, we might've been able to get Durant or something like that. You know, if you're, if you're willing to do all that, uh, I just thought it was pretty random and it's going to be interesting. I I just kept having flashbacks of Embiid and Horford and how upset we were at the way that was ran. um, Because there was no spacing. And obviously you had 610 Ben Simmons trying to, you know, work his way through the key. that was the biggest part, I think, is the Simmons factor there is not a problem on Minnesota. Right. And I do think, you know, Kat, we state all the time, he likes to be on the perimeter more than he more than he should. Mm-hmm. Right. Like he really should go down the post more often because he can he can do that. He can get by people and, and he has some decent post moves, but he tends to be out there on the three and, and he's efficient from the right. three point land. So I do think like, you know, like what you just said, though. It to me, it's like the Jazz and and the T Wolves just swapped. I mean, they they obviously they swapped things. You know, they swapped, they actually swapped Gobert and players and all this stuff. But like, I see Minnesota. The best way forward is to kind of replicate what they did in in Utah a little bit, and you know, having uh, Donovan Mitchell Gobert pick and roll. I have to assume that's going to be happening in Minnesota with Edwards and Gobert. Yeah, you made a really. It can look. It can look really good because Edwards is bigger, it's stronger, and more athletic than Donovan Mitchell, which is crazy. So I do think, like, in the regular season, like what you're saying, it's important uh, for them to get wins. They want to be a winning franchise, and Gobert. If you look at his actual win loss records, very impressive because they don't lose. They don't lose mm-hmm. a lot in, in Utah. Uh, but it's it's that small ball piece that I'm talking about being able to take Gobert off the floor that Utah could never they could never figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I think Minnesota has it already within their system if they can find a couple wings. If they can find a couple wings, you know, that would be kind of that's the that's the the last piece, really. And then, of course, you want more out of D'Angelo Russell or you want to trade him. Right. It's, it's got to be one of those two. He's got to either step up and become a winning player and a playoff level winning player, uh, or you, you got to get off him and you got to go trade him for Cole Anthony or some shit like that. I don't know. But yeah, I wonder if they could have juiced it by putting Conley in on the deal. So they get well, this is what I was. I was mm-hmm. surprised that D'Angelo Russell wasn't in, in the body count. Right. For this right. Like, right. Jesus. It's like all these players and it's not D'Angelo Russell. Mm-hmm. And I do think I think to your point, they could have probably just thrown Conley in 
and thrown in D'Angelo, but maybe they were off that for whatever reason. Well, Cat and D'Lo are, are, are still like BFFs and whatnot. And maybe when you're trying to cater to the star, like we were just talking about, maybe Cat mm-hmm. was like, nah, you can get rid of all these other guys, but, <laughs> but not D'Lo. And, you know, you brought up a really good point. And for a guy on this show that have, you know, the only thing I praise Gobert for is his pick and rolls, because I think it was very, it worked perfectly for Donovan Mitchell. I think if, Anthony Edwards, who I don't think they ran a lot of pick and rolls for Anthony as far as like coming off the, you know, shooting, coming off a screen and shooting. Uh, Rudy, Rudy, you know, creates a lot of space for these guys. And you're right. Maybe that maybe that can work. All it will take is obviously playing together and more reps. But you mm-hmm. brought up that they might need some wings, right? Yeah. And who's the wing stop? The Clippers. The Clippers are. So, you know, come midseason, if we if we figure out that, like, there you go, maybe Marcus Morris, who would probably fit in great on that team. Uh, yeah. if, if Marcus really isn't working into the rotation, which I'm yes. hoping he is, I, I hope he does, and I hope he's in, in the Clippers rotation. We'll see what that looks like in a little bit. But, shit, there might be a deal there. I think, I think in today's NBA, the easiest position to replace is the guard because mm-hmm. there's just so many guards. Uh, the hardest position to replace is a guy like Gobert because those those don't exist really too often. And then the wings, there is quite a bit of them available. Uh, and and I think your point about the Clippers being a trade partner is definitely a possibility. Uh, I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, it, it would be tough to have Marcus on that team because there's a, there's not that one feels like there's not enough basketball to go around if Marcus D'Lo. We say that all the time and, though. I, but that's like that's like four. Anyway, I I I can see it. Uh, one thing that did happen for Minnesota also, they did sign Kyle Anderson, slow-mo, our guy, slow-mo. So they, they did add that piece, and he, he's definitely, you know, a good NBA player. Mm-hmm. He can start in a pinch if you need to go big, and he can definitely come off the bench. And so that's decent wing, but he's not a defensive stopper, and he's mm-hmm. not, you know, uh, he's not going to light it up on the <laughs> offense. But I do think that he, in addition to what they have, his playmaking should work really well. Right. And that's and that goes kind of also to the small ball thing where if they're pulling Gobert off, you can have a uh, slow-mo out there and you're still pretty big with cat and slow-mo. So that's 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 not too bad. Yeah. Look at Minnesota being proactive. <laughs> look at that. Huh? Who would have thought that? Who would have thought make, that? Make one playoff series in 20 years and you and now now you're proactive. Yeah. So a couple there were a couple of, uh, more pickups that happened that we we both really liked. Brogdon finally got dealt to to boston and i think boston came out big on this i think uh you know brogdon's time in in indiana kind of was up and they he's been it feels like he's been on the trading block since you know 2006 yeah. but he's <laughs> it's like it they, they, they indiana got him signed him to a deal and then he was like immediately available for a trade yeah they're like you know what we're really not feeling this <laughs> um but i think that's exactly what boston could have definitely used in the playoffs if brogdon i mean the the his, the injury history is tough hasn't played a lot of games but that is a person that they could definitely use and i think that's a big it's a really good pickup for for boston yeah i i think the uh, also like what they had to give up was pretty reasonable right like it wasn't was it that tyson big of- who helped Tyson Neesmith and I think maybe a pick in there something there might have been a pick in there mm-hmm. uh but you know that's that's solid Tyson was a really good filler for the Celtics and obviously loved being there uh and so much so that they brought him back but he didn't do much for them in the playoffs unfortunately and Neesmith is a guy that was somebody we've tracked since since he was drafted as this kind of sharpshooter uh, who really just couldn't get it together so I think maybe a fresh start for Neesmith in Indiana could be helpful. Kid kid can certainly play. He's athletic. He can mm-hmm. 
he can shoot when he when he can't like his mechanics are solid sometimes it just needs to drop a couple times before he hit a rhythm was it neesmith babcock's pick for best shooter in the draft it was that's mm-hmm. exactly who that was um and so yeah for boston this is big right like their turnovers were were a huge achilles heel and with only marcus smart really as a competent ball handler like even even marcus smart isn't isn't fucking Nate Archibald out here. Like, you know, he's not, he's not, he's not handling the rock. Like, uh, you know, like some crazy point guard Uh, Brogdon can definitely help secure that, that piece. And I think is very interchangeable with Marcus smart. I think they can be on the floor together. Mm -hmm. uh, And I think they can rest, you know, each other, like, you know, spell each other when they need to. Um, And it certainly will take the pressure off Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum bringing the ball up, which shouldn't happen ever again. Like ever, you know, never again. It was so bad. <laughs> Jalen Brown should so never bad. bring up the basketball anymore. Yeah, it's done. Exactly. And, and they have Pritchard still. They got, you know, they got the, the other point guard there, which I, I I called to see him on the floor more, but he just wasn't ready for the moment. I don't think the finals were a little intense for him. But um, anyway, I think, yeah, solid, solid trade there. I um, thought for sure after after the playoffs, like if Boston made a trade, you would think that Grant Williams would be involved in one of these because – you know, after, just after everything. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I was a little, I, th- I thought giving up Neesmith, you're right though. Neesmith didn't work in the rotation. He was never playing. He just didn't play. Yeah. So yeah, he didn't what, play. They, they have, they have a lot of wing depth over in Boston. Right. So like he just, he just fell out of the rotation. Plus Ime really went to like an eight man rotate. Like he was mm-hmm. pretty rigid. He wasn't mm-hmm. handing out minutes to everybody like Tatum and Brown played a shit ton. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's a tough spot to be in, but I think Indiana has a fun, young exciting team that that Neesmith should be able to contribute to I mean they still have uh Halliburton I think healed still on that team I don't know if healed's on that team or not it's hard to follow that one uh but uh obviously they got Matherin in the draft so I think this is this is a plus for for Indiana and definitely a plus for Boston who also got Danilo by the way Danilo yeah. was involved in the trade you know bring going over to San Antonio they they went ahead and said no you can you can go somewhere else yeah, and I forgot Danilo, which I think was a really, really solid move, which could mean Grant Williams might be on his way out <laughs> at, at some point. Well, no, I actually like that. I think we talked about Danilo a couple podcasts ago. I loved him as a clipper. Um, this is just another guy that Boston needed buckets, other scorers, people that could put the ball yes. in the hoop. And although, you know, Gallo isn't some huge physical presence. He's not going to dunk on you. He can hit shots and he's big. And when yeah, and he's need, still big on defense. Yeah, he, he is. I mean, he doesn't move too well. Uh, no, much no, anymore. he's not. He, no, he's, he's never been defensively inclined either, but he is whatever, six, nine or six, 10, six, 10. Yeah. Six, 10, 200 and whatever, 20 or whatever, however, however big he is. Well, they can, what I'm saying is that Boston addressed the two issues that they had. We need, we need yeah. some guy that can score buckets that isn't Grant Williams as our third, as our third option. Yeah. And we need one guy that can handle the rock. Can you just handle the rock and no turnovers? Right. So I think they addressed both of those. Were there any other uh, signings or trades that you found interesting? I know, I know our boy red velvet moved. Yeah. Red velvet's gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, which that one I was pretty, I was pretty bummed out about because I think Herter was a good player. We're talking about Kevin Herter mm-hmm. for those that don't know his nickname is red velvet. What is that uh, velvet? What is that? What is that? And so, yeah, he goes to Sacramento. So I, I feel doubly bad for him because you know, he was, he was doing well in Atlanta. Obviously he had some ups and downs, uh, but going to Sacramento, it's like, Oh, here we go. Like what? He might get some burn up there, though. He'll get. Well, he should. He should definitely get some run. And and Sacramento gave up uh, 
uh, Justin Holiday and Mo Harkless. So two wings. They kind of did a two for one deal there, uh, which okay. That's I mean it Sacramento. Sacramento is another team that's been pretty proactive. Yeah, I'm I'm sad to see Herder leave. I think he was. I think he would have done well there, uh, but you know they've the the Hawks have really solidified around DeAndre Hunter as being their next small forward, and that's their guy. And so they let Reddish go. Now they now we see they let uh, Herder go, even though they re-signed him. Uh, I, I hope he does well in Sacramento. I think he will get burned. Um, but he's, you know, it's a different situation where you're in the Atlanta, you're like kind of fighting for a playoff spot and he made it to an Eastern conference finals and had a huge game against, I think it was the 76ers along that way, um, to a team now that hasn't been to the playoffs in 18 seasons. So like, it just, that kind of sucks. And that's a big shift. He's still going to get his money and, and all that is good. Uh, but I feel bad for the kid. Uh, cause I thought, I thought Atlanta would have been nice. Uh, but a guy that left another white guy who left Sacramento, Dante DiVincenzo after the, the Warriors, unfortunately couldn't keep Gary Payton. The Portland trailblazers snapped him up for over $9 million a year. Congratulations. Congratulations, mm-hmm. man. And well-deserved. I mean, yep. fucking well-earned. We talk about guys that don't earn their paychecks or guys that maybe aren't valued at a hundred million dollars that get a hundred Gary Payton is worth every single penny of that. Uh, maybe overpaid a little bit, on a yearly basis. But if you look at what he's done to get to that point, I think he's certainly earned every dollar. Uh, so they have to lose Gary Payton. They re-sign Kevon Looney. And in in lieu of Payton, they bring in Dante DiVincenzo, who is a good player. I think mm-hmm. he's I think he's pretty good. I think he'll do fine coming off the bench. Uh, I think for him, that's got to be fucking oh, pretty exciting. Thank you, <laughs> Jesus. Thank yeah, you. pretty exciting. Yeah, he didn't have to move too far. He just can drive down, drive down whatever that is, like the eighty or some shit. I don't know what I don't know what freeway that is up there, uh, and and slide into the Bay Area, which is which is fantastic. I think Dante, though, the reason I'm bringing this up is I think he can do a little bit of what Gary Payton did. It's, it's going to be a lot different, right? Uh, Dante is uh, a much more fluid scorer. Uh, he's not as athletic as Gary Payton, but he can still jump and get up there. Uh, I think he can be kind of a pest on defense, uh, but you know, you're not going to be what Gary Payton is that guy. It's I've never seen somebody play on ball defense that good. Uh, And, you know, we've, we've been through several, several history lessons here on this podcast. uh, And I would be hard pressed to find a better on ball defender than Gary Payton jr. Played this last year for the, for the warriors. Who knows if that continues. Uh, So, but I do think, DiVincenzo can give a little bit of that though, Clips, don't you? He can yeah, play no, no, 100%. I think losing Gary, which I thought we saw was going to happen uh, yeah. because they they kind of couldn't couldn't come out with $9 million. is the same thing that I said was going to happen to Hartenstein. You know what yep. I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. If, if you have the opportunity to make $9 million, which he's going to, or what is, I think it's $9 million a year with the Knicks, they're going to do that. But yeah. we're going to, you know, you could fill the void. I mean, he's not it's not like GP two is irreplaceable, right? You know, it sucks because he fits in perfect with that team. But I think Dante, who is a, is a really good athlete. He's a really great pro. He's going to show up and do whatever's asked of him. And I think Mm -hmm. that's all you really need to do on a, on a golden state warrior team. Right. And you're only going to get better yet again. You're only going to get better. There's going to be wide open shots. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Just learn, learn the system. All right. You hit a corner three, keep your eyes on Steph. And and find give him the ball and be in the three point stance, be in the triple yeah. threat position at all times, <laughs> and you're good. That's all you need to do. Cut when you need to cut, and then switch on defense. Like he, it should be fine. The kid's a good player. 
I think he, I, you know, he got he got a little banged up, and so Milwaukee got rid of him. I don't think Milwaukee wanted to get rid of him, but yeah. I think it's just one of those things where, you know, sometimes you got to make space. And and for GP in re-signing for the Warriors, like because they're so into the tax, that potential, like, oh, it's like, why would you let him go for just whatever twenty eight million dollars? It's like, well. Actually, if you do the calculations, that 28 based on where we are in the luxury tax actually turns into like $75 million. So it's a lot of Gary money. Payton, he might be worth, you know, 25, 28. He's not worth 75. So that makes a lot of sense. No, when you're 150 million over the tax, <laughs> yeah. every penny counts at this point. No matter what anybody says, all rich men don't like to spend money they don't most of them don't like to spend their money that's how they that's how they get rich right (laughs) most of them don't like that i mean the billionaires they can do it but you know most guys that are that are wealthy got that way for a reason they weren't just fucking throwing cash up in the air Nah. so one thing that we were really excited about is the summer league has started i know we spent a lot of time on kd and kyrie so i i kind of forgot to bring up what happened uh this week the summer league just started i'm excited to be in vegas next week uh, to check out some of these guys. But man, you would have thought Chet had literally the greatest game in NBA history if you looked at social media the other night. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, everywhere <laughs> I looked, it was just Chet, 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 Chet. And okay, I, I'm going to say I was impressed. I was really impressed. Um, I was impressed more with just how comfortable he looked out there. And he got, he was able to, like, he, there was no jitters. And you, and, and I, you know, I want to make sure everybody knows there was no jitters because he was playing. Uh, against much better people in college than who he played against in this summer league team playing the Utah jazz summer league team with, I think it was eight of the 10 guys are undrafted and it's like, Oh, but he blocked taco fall. And I'm like, there's a reason why taco fall has been in three consecutive summer leagues. Okay. It is what it is. I thought Chet showed his bag. The dirt comparisons just need to stop already. Just please stop. It's one summer league game. It was nice. I'm not yeah. hating. The six blocks was impressive. His closeout D was impressive. The the uh, the the three point contesting was impressive for me. I mean, you see the talent there. But then we also see the following game last night against Kenny Lofton Jr., where he got manhandled. Literally, there was a hundred pounds. I mean, that's a big boy, one hundred percent. If you didn't see the game last night, uh, and Kenny was going at him with a purpose. Summer league is to show, like, you only have a limited amount of time to show. Uh, your talents and your skills to these scouts and try in hopes of getting a G league deal, a two-way deal for somebody to pick you up for training camp. And Lofton looked really great. I mean, obviously where Chet needs to gain a hundred pounds, Lofton needs to lose 50 or 40 <laughs> or something around there, but that's part of his game. He was, he was really impressive to me, but what was your takeaway with Chet? I was impressed. Yeah. And I, I see why, why everybody's excited about him. But then I also see, that the weight thing is going to be an issue. Yeah. Yeah. This was the full scale. This was the full. I'm so glad we got to see both games before we sat down to record this podcast, because you're absolutely right. If it was just the first game, we would have been like, Orlando, what the fuck? What do you do? do? What are you doing, Orlando? (laughs) But now we get the full spectrum. We get the full Chet experience. And this is exactly what the scouting report down to a T on on the checks and balances here the good stuff the bad stuff we saw it all in two games Mm -hmm. and even though he was dominated by a smaller guy uh in 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 height he's the kenny lofton jr six seven two eighty like you Mm -hmm. said uh and there's not too many kenny lofton jr type body types in the nba anymore right those are very few but that's exactly the problem that we (laughs) we knew he was going to run into into this nba and best believe it the guys that are in the NBA 
that are of that body shape. Uh, I mean, if you can just can imagine what Zion would do to Chet. That's what I'm if, saying. If if, 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 if Kenny Lofton is doing that, can you imagine Zion backing down Chet and just yamming all, yeah. just all on top of him? And so, yeah, that's going to be a problem. That's going to be something that he has to overcome. And that's something we talked about going into it. That's he's going to be hunted, bro. He's going to be hunted. Every single NBA player is going to want to dunk on Chet Holmgren. And I think he's okay. Like, He's going to get dunked on. It's going to happen, and it's going to be epic. It's going to be all over Sports Center. But then there will be all these times where he blocks those same shots, where the guys go up for a dunk, and he just goes, nah, not today. Uh, but I think his skill set is what has shown through here. Uh, while while Lofton did overpower him, he was in great position, right? Mm-hmm. So his footwork was uh, right. He was in great position. There was I mean, a couple times where they went from mode the, over. There was a couple <laughs> times where Lofton was at the three-point line and within oh, two and dribbles. around him. Yeah. No, I'm saying Chet, Chet was under the backboard after two dribbles and well, his right, shoulder but, in, but, his, in his chest. Right. So, yes, the, the <laughs> physical power. But I'm saying Chet, Chet was squared up nicely for okay. it. He was, All right. <laughs> okay. And, and, and I just think, his, like I said, his skill set uh, offensively and defensively has shown through. He's, he's going to be good. He's going to be a good player. Hmm. Uh, but I always, I always think about summer league. We can get too excited. We do. Uh, and, you know, there's no, there hasn't been any basketball for a couple of weeks. And then all of a sudden summer leagues here, and we're like fucking fired up. And, you know, I think Chet got the, 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 the positives and the negatives out of that in the last two games, but he's going to be a good player. And I think the lineup with him, if, if Josh Giddy is so good, I and wanted to bring Shea that Gil up. You know, it's Shea Gilgis Alexander, who's not going to be playing in summer league is also so good. I just think they'll, they, they should have some, some fun this year. Well, that's what, that's what summer league is for having Poku and Giddy both there. Uh, and I, I, I was on our friend combos court show last night. And that that's what was more important, uh, more impressive to me was just how good Giddy is. I'm like, damn, he's a really good basketball player. He doesn't he triple doubled. Right. In a right. summer league game. That doesn't happen. No, because normally you don't play that many minutes. And even in well, Chet's, sure. But even Chet's, still like to triple double at you know, at this level, when you're playing with guys that you just met last week, that's pretty, that's pretty good. Yeah. I think they have something special there and there's going to come a time where it's like, and I think it's now where OKC is going to have to really figure out if they want to start making the playoffs or not. Cause now they got a nice little core. Giddy was great. Back to what you were saying though, is like, yeah, if Kenny Lofton is giving you problems, just wait till you see Embiid or Giannis. And it's just a different story. And, hopefully OKC doesn't have him in those positions, but he will be in those positions. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, everything, I mean, cause he will, I mean, that's a, he will be guarding Embiid and he will be guarding Giannis. And those are going to be fun nights to watch because they're going to go at this dude every time down the floor, bro. And he's going to be on the ground a lot. I just, I think, I think for me, and I think maybe you're the same. I don't want to see the kid injured. Right. So I just I hope I hope by the time the season starts, he can get a little just five to ten, five to ten pounds on there. Just eat pasta, all pasta for every meal. And you don't think he's been trying to do that his whole life, though? I'm sure he's one of those. I don't think I I don't. I don't think he has. I, Mm -hmm. I always think especially especially how talented he was in high school. I thought he thought that he was going to be fine. I mean, I do think like when you look at someone like Kevin Durant and your Chet Holmgren, you go, look, KD. He's added a little bit of muscle up top, but it's, you know, he's still pretty frail. I mean, granted, if you want going back and watching rookie Kevin Durant, it's just like, oh my God, he was so skinny. Right. So he, he definitely had K, KD even has bulked a little bit. Uh, but I do think because of that, check and go, look, I'm, I'll be fine. 
And, you know, granted, he's not going to be Kevin Durant. And I think he's probably figured that out. Like he can't be what Kevin Durant is. Uh, but I do think there's a there's a path for success for him. And, and something that I brought up uh, when we first started talking about these guys, maybe even at March Madness or beyond that, is that I think Chet's true position in the NBA will probably be more of a four. And I think that's why those dirt comparisons are so juicy. Right. He did the he did the step back or mm-hmm. whatever, the, the, the one legged fade. Uh, and Dirk really was at his best when he had a center alongside of him. So I think that that could be and, uh, and that's still fine for Oklahoma City. They can they can pair him up with somebody down the road. Right. I, I, I think both of us are takeaways from these past two days were that the talent's all there. Like the hype's real. He's he is very good. But there are there there are issues, obviously. And it's not like. This isn't anything new to anybody. I think no. we've been saying he, it. For yeah, a he's long not going to win Defensive Player of the Year next year, right? No. He's not going to lead the league in blocks. But I do think he's not going to back down from anybody, right? Like he'll right. catch a bunch of bodies, but he'll be in there mm-hmm. at least protecting. And and you know, so what? He gets he'll get dunked on. I mean, it's going to happen. It happens to every center. Yeah, and, and you're not a good center if you're not getting banged on. Um, I'm looking forward to summer league because obviously I want to check out my Clippers, see what's going on out there. I'm going to see Chet. I'm going to see a bunch of different guys. Uh, we were talking about gaining weight, you know, our rookie from last year, Brandon Boston Jr. Mm. Um, he came in at 180 last year and he's put on 18 pounds of muscle just up in wow. he's one, 198 right now. Uh, this came out. He's been putting wow. in the work and I'm really uh, that's that's good. That's a drug test. That's a drug test. coming. Well, lickety split. Lickety know, split. You know, I remember when up. Caruso that remember Caruso's muscled up Photoshop picture. They that I mean, Lonzo had an alley-oop dunk and they they pulled him. For for uh, because he put on whatever ten pounds, they're definitely going to test your boy. I hope he's that's clean. fine. That's <laughs> perfectly fine. Test him. I'm just looking forward to seeing him. But if you, I Drew, I follow all these guys. Like I know yeah. they're in the gym working out. So yeah, yeah. Um, I'm yeah, looking. They just take a couple supplements before the workout, maybe after the workout, and then you know that that 18 pounds is easier to put on. I I did get to watch the Lakers. By the way, they were they were involved in the early early summer league stuff up in the Bay. Our boy Mac. Uh, Shout out to Mac running the show. Uh, Sharif O'Neal, Scotty Pippen Jr. looking okay. Uh, we, we, we this should be a fun summer league squad clips. I'm, yeah, you I'm have Pippen, to, I, you have Pippen O'Neal, and uh, but just just the second generation guys, right? Yeah, and they're you know they're just as good as their parents as their dads were. It's obvious. It's, it's I want to see Sharif get. I want to see him succeed. Now, both of me them, too, man. I'm so excited for him to even just be on the summer league team, bro. Like he's had such a rough go of it, right? The, the heart problems and UCLA coaching changes. Yeah, I mean he was at Arizona and then decommitted to UCLA, then LSU and. Now in Los Angeles, I just hope I hope he can stay healthy enough to play. I don't think the NBA is going to be for him right now, but he can work and, and get better. Maybe the G League will suit him or maybe overseas somewhere, but uh, love to see him out there. It's cool to see a Scottie Pippen Jr. and 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 uh, Sharif O'Neal uh, on, on the Lakers in the Lakers colors. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And I think Shaq is one of those guys that no matter what, it's kind of like how Leangelo got another uh summer league tour with we've with said Charlotte. this we knew this was going to happen he's going to have until he until he no longer wants to play summer league he'll have a slot in the summer league squad. yeah it's just Shaq calling me like hey Sharif needs a spot if if he hasn't earned it then it's going to be just one phone call and they'll be like all right deal no Done, matter what yeah. he'll have one with the Sacramento Kings right or Orlando Orlando <laughs> will take it they'll get the jersey sales uh final thoughts Drew so my final thought it actually kind of pairs well with the Chet conversation we just had and it's about our boy, Victor Wembenyama. Wembo. Wembo. 
which I was gonna I was gonna say it. Wenbo Wenbo is his, his nickname as he will be. Wenbo Slice. Can we call him Wenbo Slice? Oh, even better. Uh, the point that I'm gonna make here might sound stupid or redundant, uh, but I haven't heard it by anybody yet. Victor Wenbanyama is seven foot three, and looks exactly like Chet Holmgren body body style, right? And everyone seems to be all in. Like it's it is. He is the number one overall pick. I'm just curious, man. And we know he's, he's playing in France, right? So he's not, he's not on the American circuit or the American television. So we're only seeing these clips and these highlights. Uh, and you can catch a game if you, I don't know, if you fucking torrent it or whatever. I don't know how you, how you find French basketball. But I just don't understand why Chet got all of this heat about his size and his stature. And nobody is talking about the same fucking problems that Victor Wenbanyama is going to have. Wembo Slice. I just think we're, we're already completely way head over heels involved in this guy being the number one pick. And uh, while I, he is undoubtedly skilled, just like Chet is undoubtedly skilled, I just don't understand why he's not getting at least a little bit of the, by the way, he's also... Seven three one seventy five or whatever the fuck he, he's so thin. You know what I'm saying, Clips? Yeah, but he's also seventeen. Okay, like the kid's young. He's a Chet's child. 19. Okay, but Chet also went number two. I mean, obviously, looking at Wembo, yeah. he's gonna be looked at like, damn, he's small. Seven four is a large individual, though. Like, uh, he definitely is going to have to put on weight. I, I think that's going to be a concern for a lot of people. But how do you turn it's? How do you turn down seven four? That's got footwork and can shoot like that just like how do you turn down chet at two or at totally one? so i guess look something that we always bring up is there's some things that you can fix right and i think you can fix getting bigger and stronger that's one thing that you are completely capable of doing you are capable of losing weight you cannot teach seven four right you just right. can't you can't magically yeah. wake up one morning and you're seven four so i think in the right and honestly living in France, you should be fatter because everything's cooked in butter. Everything. A lot oh, of pastries. It's so good too. Everything's so tasty. You got that good bread. A lot of duck confit, a lot yeah. of foie gras, which is fatty. I know my French food, French food, but I guess maybe it's the height seven. That's a lot of body to feed, you know? Yeah. The metabolism, right? These guys are probably eating a bunch and then they just, they just burn it. I think when, as we get closer to the draft, getting through this season, I think that just like us and everybody else that was, whether scouting or giving our opinions on, on Chet or Wembo, that's going to be a concern. So, uh, and also you don't want to fuck up a good thing. Like if he's really this good, skinny, you know? Right, right. And, and I will say like, it does seem like, you know, Chet's whatever, seven foot, seven foot one, whatever it is. So with that, you know, even, even a couple more inches added, uh, he does seem like he's going to be a hell of a, a hell of a player and, and one that's going to be difficult to stop, but, and, and I'm not trying to tear the man down in any capacity. I'm just, I'm just surprised that the conversation just wasn't, it just wasn't being had. I haven't heard a single thing. It's like, we go from, you know, the 20, this current draft, and then we immediately look forward and all the comments about Chet's weight were there. And mm -hmm. then the same people are just like, man, this guy, Victor Wenbanyama is unbelievable and nothing, no mention about the fact that he's, he's a, he's a rail. So I just I just wanted to be uh, I mean, on the train early, I guess that's that's I'm, I'm on the train that Victor's too skinny early. I mean, yeah, I'm here first. That's just also us old men hating on the skinny guys, too. Like, damn. Yeah, well, 
<laughs> I was I was never that thin, bro. Nah, me I, either. I was I was always a big kid. I was literally Chet's weight in seventh grade. So like, yeah. I'm, or not seventh, but yeah, right around there. I mean, I've been <laughs> I was one ninety five for a long time. So I get it. Uh, my final thought, Drew, is something so random, but it's time for something to be said. All right, you know I like posting memories. I like mm. going on either my Instagram or Clips and Drew. I like to see what we were talking about, what we were doing four or five years ago. It's funny how just it's funny, especially on the Clips and Drew one, like whenever we bring up old podcasts or whatnot. So anyways, my memory from today is something that has been brewing in my head for a while. But my memory was from six years ago today, July 7th, where I posted finally I was right in the midst of making my basketball videos and doing all this fun stuff. But I posted my glitch video today, six six years ago. All right. And my glitch, for those that don't know, you should know, but it's a a pass that I created that I had had made. It's mine. Uh, I've been doing it. I did it at Rucker Park. I've done it at West 4th Street. I've done it at Venice Beach. I've done it everywhere. Finally put it on, on film. And it blew up. It was my first like legit viral video, went to a million views, and then it's, it's had over 5 million uh, in its totality, which is awesome, right? People yeah. still, I get tagged every single day with somebody doing, doing the glitch or some form of the glitch. And um, I never get my props ever. And it, it does bug me. That's why every time, so it's, it's literally once a day, there'll be something new. Um, I never get my props. House of Highlights, uh, Overtime, never give me my love. And I said, when, when the glitch went viral, I said, my, my, my hope for this is that one day somebody in the NBA does it, just does it or does some form of it. I always thought it was going to be Steph Curry. I always thought it was going to be Kyrie Irving, but Luca has his own, his own um, glitch pass that he does now. Right. And I get tagged in it. Now, if you've seen it, it's his pass behind the back. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's been different versions of the glitch where they've turned my glitch pass into a glitch shot. Like there's been different variations of it and I love it. Okay. I still never get my, my love, but Luca finally has done this like three times in the Olympics or in FIBA right now. I get tagged in it every single day. I want my props. I know that six years ago when Luca is 15, he saw my video. I know he, <laughs> I know. Cause it went crazy overseas. So anyways, that's my little rant. I, I'm not going to be that uncle Rico guy. That's like, Oh man, back in my day, I used to throw it over, could throw it over that mountain. And we brought up uncle Rico a lot. But that's my past, man. And the real ones, the OGs know it. It's never been done. And I kind of just want my love. Am I wrong for that? <laughs> no, no. I think, uh, I mean, there's a reason that it blew up, man. It, it, it's something I hadn't seen. I remember it, it was probably one of the first few times that we were like actually became friends that we were hooping that you brought it out when we were playing pickup. And it's, it was, it was the craziest thing I'd ever seen. It's I, impressive. Nobody and nobody's ready for it. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the hard part is like, I, if you're passing it to me, it's, I have to be fucking ready because it doesn't look like you're going to pass it and nobody's ready for it defensively. Uh, it was, and is the coolest thing that uh, I've seen you do. And you've done a lot of cool shit, uh, but certainly props are deserved. I don't know. Yeah. You, you almost, it's hard to, it, it would be great as like an NFT clips. If you, could, if you could create an NFT, that way it would be yours. You would own it. Uh, maybe maybe that's an option for you. Well, the, I think the only reason it bugs me, and I've had this conversation with a couple people, um, I, you know, like, I've been playing basketball my whole life. I love this game so much. Like, if, if the one thing I, I left the game was a, 
a, a, a cool pass that nobody's done before. And I, I would like to be the guy known for it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> like there's been so many different, like there was uh, pistol Pete had a crossover and then it was Tim Hardaway. And then the Tim Hardaway went to the Allen Iverson. Then the Allen Iverson went to somebody else, but we know where the crossover like originated, right? Got mm. God originated in the streets, God, sham God and Strickland and like, and all that shit. So I don't know. I just kind of wanted my props. And I'm also looking back on it. I was smiling today because I'm like, damn, that was really cool. Because uh, <laughs> so it was one of my friends, Cameron was like, you know, that pass you do in your video, you should make a whole clip of it. And I'm like, all right, I'll fucking do it. And the next thing I know, it blew up. So to everybody that knows me from the glitch, I appreciate it. I would just like some love. All right. And if I don't <laughs> get it, I will still be OK. But uh, I kind of just wanted to get that out. The the truth prevails clips so the people that know will know just need steph curry to do it once once that in a would freaking, be awesome once in an in, and i know you've seen it i know he's seen it if luca's doing it i'd really like somebody to ask luca hey luca where did you learn that pass and he's like oh six years ago i was a child and i saw it as a child in slovenia and i saw <laughs> this this chubby american do this pass that i knew one day i would put in my bag that's all i want that's, that's so all funny. i want I would love for that. I would love for that to happen. It's the follow through y'all. We're going to be back soon. Katie's going to probably be traded three times by the next time uh, we come on the podcast. (laughs) Not going anywhere. He's not, he's staying his ass in Brooklyn. They are going to, just like we said about Kyrie, he's going to sign. They will both be in Brooklyn. There isn't enough picks in the world to trade for Kevin Durant right now. So we'll be back shortly. I'll see you in Vegas. If you're going find your boy. It's the follow through with clips and drew. And we're ghosts. You know what it is, you know what it is, you know where you're at.